edit all of that out, Ian. <laughs> God damn it. You made that really awkward. That was not what I was implying at all, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Good evening. How's everybody doing? Sounds like they're doing good. Yeah, I, I didn't hear any complaints. Okay, that's some complaints. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, looking like tonight we're going to step into the uh, realm of somebody who, <laughs> I'm going to give the caveat right up front, I already hate. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and not, Pat is plugging in the asshole spotlight <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> okay, and uh, it, we're doing Jerry Lee Lewis. It's, A.K.A. The Killer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I know that there's like a couple very famous specific uh, social faux pas that this gentleman has made, and those are not the only things that I bring to the table on my already existing <laughs> hatred of him. Uh, I had a couple people in my family who really liked him who were also assholes, so I had a negative association. And then on top of that, uh, I when I was learning piano, I was like, you know what? everybody says he's a really good piano player. I'm going to go check it out. And everything I ever found was like just terrible, like like really flashy versions of basic stuff and like maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm you know over exaggerating look at pat the talented yeah, musician the, over the, here. the super extreme oh. piano master myself but i didn't i didn't learn as much from him as i thought i would that i is that some of the things that i learned from like his contemporaries and stuff i learned more so and then i tried to go into day with an open mind and while well, the music we listened to made me want to rip my headphones off and punch you in the face so here we are Oh, Pat's in a spicy <laughs> mood today. Oh, he is ready to go for this episode. Yeah, I mean, it, Jerry Lee Lewis, ladies and gentlemen, let's crack into it. And so the killer, Jerry Lee Lewis, was born on September 29th, 1935 in Faraday, Louisiana, to parents Elmo Kid Lewis and Mary Ethel Mammy Heron. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hit me with that the, those names again. That, that's too much. Elmo Kid Lewis and Mary Ethel Mammy Heron. Okay, so first of all, your name's Elmo and you need a nickname? And so you go with Kid? No, his middle name is Kid. Oh, it's not a nickname? That's his actual middle no, name? No, his, his mom's nickname is Mammy, but his actual middle name is Kid. Oh, my God. He's Elmo the Kid. <laughs> <laughs> This is before Sesame Street, so it's even more funny to me. I don't know why. Okay, anyways, continue. I can't believe anybody would actually name their kid Elmo, though. Oh, my God. I, like, I think maybe, like, like historical context, you could be like, those are some, you know, it's four letters, like a lot of popular names. It's it's a couple of syllables that are easily pronounced together, but Elmo coming together. Like. <laughs> I mean, they are from Louisiana, so. People go around calling themselves Mo. No offense to any Mo listeners out there. That <laughs> meant a lot of offense to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they were an extremely religious Pentecostal Christian family, too. Oh, well, that explains the really weird names. 
Yeah, you Pentecostal Christians, you know, you love your weird names. I, I don't know if that's an actual meme. I just like, <laughs> it just made a little more sense to me. <laughs> Note that all of the opinions of this podcast represent our opinions. <laughs> Mainly Pat's today. Well, I, I only gave a caveat. I haven't even said anything bad. Yet. Yet? <laughs> Yet. I don't know. You keep giving me this look like something's coming. I, I have a feeling there's more than just the stuff I already know, so I'm waiting. And so when he was three years old, his older brother, Elmo Jr., <laughs> yeah, they thought that name was so good, needed to be named twice. This is a family lineage, this name. <laughs> yep. He would be struck and killed by a drunk driver. Oh, okay, that's sad. Right after we got a big laugh out of yeah. making fun of his yeah, name. Yeah, thanks, Ian. <laughs> I love setting you up. And Elmo Jr., I guess, was actually showing like he was quite promising playing music, you know? Oh, yeah. So... Maybe he inherited some of his brother's uh, spirit because right after that, he started teaching himself how to play guitar and he'd start, you know, playing in church and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that already right there is uh, is a little weird, but also like kind of inspiring. It's inspiring and cute if you don't look at too much into it. But then if you like think about it too much for a second, it gets a little weird and like, you know, you got to play music to like, you know, because your parents love the kid who was playing music. And he's gone now. Like, I don't know. It's uh, when, He was three when he died. I'm sure there wasn't even like anything. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. If you're if you're three at that point, you can't even make any like cognitive uh, decisions about yeah, he, things. And he really wouldn't start playing until he was about like six or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's probably more like your brother used to play music. And he's like, well, that means I'm going to play music. And then it just happened. Well, you know. He'd listen to, like, the radio shows like the Grand Ole Opry and the Louisiana Hayride, which apparently was the Louisiana version of Grand Ole Opry. Oh, yeah. I've, uh, didn't we talk about the Louisiana Hayride one time? I don't time, think or? so. If we didn't talk about it, I watched some videos about it. That's not shocking. You watch a lot of weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was actually in research. I, I could have sworn we <laughs> talked about it. It might actually have been in an episode that did never make it to air, one of our first episodes. Well, and so, of course, his, you know, musical heroes were Jimmy Rogers, Hank Williams, and Al Jolson. <laughs> oh, Al Jolson. <laughs> All of his blackface glory. Oh, my God. This is this is not starting good already. Well, and he wasn't the only one, you know, who had some sort of talent in his family. He had an ev- uh, a television evangelist uncle named Jimmy Swaggart. That's a better name. Jimmy Swaggart's a fucking cool name. It is a cool name. But it's also, I mean, as much as, you know, we'll make fun of religion on this podcast, it does take a lot of talent to, like, preach and stuff like that, you know? Oh, absolutely. There's a whole art to it. Yeah, no, I mean, it is, uh, oration is, like, it's one of the last, like, actual vestiges of uh, oration besides, like, politics and stuff, and that's not even... (laughs) And he'd also have a cousin who is a country star named Mickey Gilly, which, to me, Mickey Gilly sounds like some fucking irish dude from from brooklyn like hey i'm gonna fucking fuck up your face come on now (laughs) mickey gilly yeah mickey gilly (laughs) nobody fucks with mickey gilly come on i feel like the cartoon character's name or something i don't even some of these people don't sound real man (laughs) it is louisiana (laughs) (laughs) good old mickey gilly and yeah he and his cousins would all gather around the piano and sing and play hymns while their parents were present but when they weren't, they'd sneak off to hear the forbidden rousing music of African-American rhythm and blues players. No. Yep. 
apparently they had a little juke joint there called Haney's Big House. And that I guess a lot of like famous blues musicians came through there. So And all these uh, all these little religious kids were running off in the middle of the night to go sneak into the juke joint. Not and... into, they would just watch through the window. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. And and you know, now they're sinning. Yeah, no, that's oh, excuse me. No, that's sin. Oh. Uh. <laughs> But Jerry Lee Lewis did really believe in God. At one point, he did want to become a preacher, just like, you know, like his his uncle. Yeah. And at the age of 15, he'd end up attending the Southwestern Bible Institute of Waxahachie, Texas. <laughs> Waxahachie? Waxahachie? W-A-X-A-H-A-C-H-I-E. See, we're from the Pacific Northwest, and we think that our names are weird, but some of these, like, Texan names that I hear, I'm, I'm like, what the fuck? Anyways. Yeah, fuck you, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got a really great music scene, but, you know, little towns like this, come on, give me a break here. Tw- quit, trying to su- quit trying to secede in two- or 2020, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> now they got too many tech giants there to be able to do that yeah, now. You know, just, just quit trying. You guys, are, you guys are done. You're stuck. And so after three months at this place, he'd end up being expelled for generally poor attitude and more specifically playing a hymn, My God is Real, with a boogie-woogie beat. Oh! <gasps> No. I know. Oh my God! Can you believe it? <laughs> we actually—I mean, if you followed, do check out this song from the beginning. You know that we've covered uh, uh, this very specific boogie woogie thing and how it's like it is dangerous, uh, like because it is like fairly connected to the uh, religious music scene, if I remember correctly, too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, like because because a lot of the things that it was originated from actually kind of have that parallel. Well, yeah, I mean, it just it's just weird. It's like, okay, so you can't have a faster rhythm. All of a sudden, that's the devil's music. Like, did they just want people to be miserable? Yeah, and it, well, and if it's specifically the boogie woogie beat, like it's that's <laughs> like <laughs> no jazz in here. You, you can't you can't make God's music sound happy. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just a fast bass line, guys. Like, <laughs> breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, like, uh, we live in a different time, so obviously uh, there's a little bit of missed perspective there, but I, I do take a moment to just enjoy that. Like, could you possibly imagine, like, at any time somebody busting in your room and being like, oh my god, Ian, that, dr- that, that guitar piece that you just played... That is so not godly. What are you sitting in here? I think my response would be rock on because I play heavy metal. Yeah. You'd be like, Isn't that the point of heavy metal? Like, that one specifically inspired that feeling. All right, I gotta write that down. I gotta make sure to record this one. <laughs> It's just so weird. Like, how could a, like just notes and a rhythm try and inspire some sort of specific morality? Like, wouldn't you want your religious music to mirror modern music so that more people could be like hip in it? You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure that all of the '50s was just like a representation of what the movie Flashdance became. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but for everything, not just not just dancing, like anything that people enjoyed. Oh no, no, that's that's bad. The devil. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, you kids are gonna do it soon. No, <laughs> yeah, like, no, no. Okay, no. now we're gonna get married. Okay, now it's good. Whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. You, you can get married. Oh wait, your skin color's different. Oh, the devil again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, I don't know. I don't get it. I can't fucking understand it. And then it, it still exists today. That's the most fantastically weird part about this whole conversation is 60 years fucking later, we're still right here. Well, and so Jerry Lee Lewis would talk about, you know, his belief in God and, you know, being Christian and stuff like that, right? And he'd say, the devil has power next to God. You ain't loyal to God. You must be loyal to Satan. There ain't no in between. I'm a sinner. I know it. Soon I'm going to have to reckon with the chilling hands of death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this makes it even better. So he did, he's like, no, this boogie woogie is so good that yeah. I don't even care. Like I'm yeah. going to hell. Fuck it. <laughs> he truly believes it's God's music or the devil's music too. <laughs> like it's sorry, devil make good music. What can I say? <laughs> that makes it better. I mean, there's there's surely some context where like you know your religious friends are like always hounding you about it. It's easier to just be like, fine, I'm going to hell. Like we'll all wait till we're dead and then we'll let God decide. Leave me alone about it. <laughs> When asked if he was still playing the devil's music, he would reply, yes, I am. But you know, it's strange. The same music that they kicked me out of school for is the same kind of music they play in their churches today. The difference is, I know I am playing for the devil and they don't. Oh. <laughs> so he's calling, the churches. he's calling people out. He's like, yeah, I know I'm playing for the devil and you kicked me out for the right reasons. Now the devil is in your church. <laughs> 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 or Count Chocula. <laughs> and so at the age of 16, after he gets kicked out, he just travel home and start playing at the clubs around Faraday. In a close town that I can't pronounce in Mississippi. Nice. Also, at 16, he'd get married. Yay! Number one. To Dorothy Barton, the daughter of a preacher. And they would stay married for 20 months. And in October 1953, they'd get divorced. Yeah. Very godly. Because he's a weirdo. In September of 1953. Oh, my God. One month before this, mind you, he'd get married to Jane Mitchum. <laughs> so he technically was a polygamist. He had two wives at the same time for a, for a month. Technically, I guess. I guess you are correct. We're beginning to, this actually was 23 days before his divorce was final. <laughs> we don't even have a spotlight, like a polygamy spotlight, but we're going to have to, here we go. I'm going to put like a, like a duct tape over this, the asshole spotlight and I'm going to write polygamy on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just steal a light from the Mormon church. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got all types of polygamy rights. Anyways, moving on. Now we're taking shots at the Mormon church, man. Come on. <laughs> Ian. Someone had to. Glad it was you and not me. Am I right, Mormon Church? <laughs> they, Wink. They might kidnap me and be really nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna get a knock on your door at seven a.m. tomorrow. It's gonna be the worst thing. I'll be at work. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend's gonna be annoyed though. <laughs> and so this marriage would last a little longer, like four years. They would end up having two children out of this: Jerry Lee Lewis Jr. and Ronnie Guy Lewis. Which is Ronnie Guy Lewis' terrible name. Yeah, yeah, you guys should have tried a little harder on that one. <laughs> I mean, the twelve-year-old in me just wants to make puns out of his name and make fun of the kid. Well, I, I, you know, they they were probably like, "Yeah, we want to name Ronnie, but what's the middle name?" And the, <laughs> so one of the two of them was like Guy. 
Oh, yeah, Guy is a great middle Oh, he is a guy, yeah. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) There is a penis present. Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't even, I don't know. Naming conventions. Two childless people uh, making fun of people who name their kids stupid things. <laughs> we judge. Yes, we, we sit, judge. We sit on our massive, <laughs> our massive throne of judgment. <laughs> we pass out judgment upon all ye small and large. <laughs> Please note the opinions of this podcast are just the opinions of the podcasters. <laughs> In 1955, he would end up making a trip to Nashville. You know, he'd play the clubs, try and drum up some interest. Was turned down by the Grand Ole Opry. (laughs) I like that part. What, that he was turned down by the... that makes me smile. (laughs) Get back on the wagon, buddy. (laughs) Recording executives in Nashville would actually suggest that he switch to guitar. (laughs) And Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, being a hothead, would just say... You can take that guitar and ram it up your ass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least he's at least he's honest. In 1956, he'd approach a little record company called Sun Records in Memphis, Tennessee, and you know, a little minor hit maker named Elvis would come out of this. You know, oh, nice. And like we said in the Sun Records episode, you know, after Elvis. A lot of people start showing up going, hey, can you make me famous too? <laughs> you know, like Johnny Cash and Carl Perkins. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's it, it, if there's just like a door you go in and you're like, hey, I have a guitar. Can I be famous too? And they're like, yes. And Except then for happens. Jerry Lee Lewis walked in and go, hey, where's your piano? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. You got to open the back door. <laughs> <laughs> can someone help me with this? Clong, clong. <laughs> And so he was recording with Sun Records, having lots of fun, touring with Carl Perkins and Johnny Cash. In December 1956, his debut song would come out, Crazy Arms. Didn't sell that well. Aww. But in 1957, he'd release a whole lot of shaking going on and quickly followed by Great Balls of Fire. Okay, these two jams actually do kind of jam. I mean, I, I, I've i talked a lot of shit tonight, so I should throw him a little bit of, like, you know, like, you know, props for what he's done. These two songs are actually uh, quite enjoyable to listen to and are internationally well-known. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. And yet, somehow that brings me back to Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> the second Top Gun reference this season. Good, good. Bring me the Top Gun references. <laughs> Pat's favorite scene is the volleyball scene. Is there is there another scene in the movie? <laughs> oh, right. There's some planes. Yeah, I remember that. Well, the funny thing is, is he didn't want to record Great Balls of Fire at first because he felt it was too sinful. Oh, God. <laughs> That's pretty funny coming from what we're about to run up into. <laughs> yeah. He, I think once, once he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just doing the devil's work. This man was like, wait, I'm doing the devil's work. I just do whatever, like. Well, that was also a quote from when he was like in his fifties. So you know, yeah. I mean, at this point, he still probably semi-believed, but or pretended he believed. Yeah, it's it's a slow, slippery slope of delusion to get you down to the point where you're gonna be able to do whatever this weirdo does. But these two songs would sell over eleven million copies, and Elvis, you know, was trying to soften his image in the media, appear less threatening. Jerry Lee Lewis, on the other hand, wanted the reputation of a dangerous rock and roll bad boy. 
<laughs> okay. He'd say, I know what I am. A romping, stomping, piano playing son of a bitch. <laughs> a mean son of a bitch, but a great son of a bitch. A good person. Never hurt anybody unless they got in my way. I got a mean streak in me. Elvis did too. He hid his. I didn't hide mine. Oh, man. <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis, the badass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jerry. I mean... Fuck you, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) He was, you know, a wild man on stage. You know, he'd, like, kick his bench out of the piano, and he'd play the piano standing. Oh, my God, crazy, right? Sinful stuff. (laughs) You know, he'd do do that C rake up and down the... So uh, God doesn't want you to play the piano standing? Not standing, what, not where on the, in the Bible does it say that God doesn't want me playing the piano standing? And I where, think it's Matthew twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> also, I literally came up with that off the top of my head too. <laughs> also, uh, where uh, where does it say which bass lines I can play, which ones I can't? Because I'm getting kind of confused. Oh, here. that's Matthew twenty twenty one. Okay, all yeah, right, all right. I know you're not as versed in the Bible as I am. Yeah, no, you're legendary at the Bible uh, compared to me, I believe. I mean, he would even, like, sit down on the piano and play it, you know, like, like <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it would be a fun show to watch. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 pretty cool. Like, that's a that's stage show. I, I did notice we watched a few of his live shows, and it, his hand flourishes are much more important to him than like the content of what's coming out. It's all about the show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it very much does look like they just put the bass and the guitar and the drums like super loud over him, and he has to pound on the piano to get noise through. So he just gets like the the. <laughs> well, I mean, he did have a full band backing him, so I imagine at the time with microphone technology being what it was, he probably had to do that to get. You know, up above into the noise, you know. At least with a, with a loud, uh, high-tempo music like that. By 1958, he'd also record some other moderate successful songs like Breathless and High School Confidential. These songs are not so good. I mean, they're great. You guys should listen to them. Dude, check them out. Well... Let's, why don't we see what I recommend for oh do God. check out this song. I'm sorry, I, I've lost my Decots yeah. license, please. How Ian. dare you? How dare you? So we got a whole lot of shaking going on, Great Balls of Fire and High School Confidential. Hell yeah. So High School Confidential wasn't a bad song, it just, it's going to get pretty creepy here real quick. Wait, what? On December 12th, 1957, he'd marry his third cousin, Myra Gail Brown. Yep. And... Another important fact to know about this is she was also 13 at the time. (laughs) High school confidential indeed. Oh my God. This guy is the worst. Uh, I'm I'm taking the the, uh, tape off of the asshole spotlight that said... uh, (laughs) That said polygamous spotlight and I'm putting on pedophile spotlight now. Pedophile incest uh, spotlight. This guy is the worst. The other thing is, is they were married before the divorce of his second wife was final. Dude, he won't even wait till the divorces are final. He must marry another woman instantly. Yeah, otherwise sleeping with them is a sin. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 
my God. I, I don't even, I can't believe we live in a world where this man was famous. <laughs> I mean, with some of the stuff that's happened recently, I shouldn't be surprised. But every day I get, a, I, I arrive to this podcast, I hope maybe we're going to talk about a, a musician who either wasn't super shitty or didn't have something shitty happen to him. But uh, <laughs> I mean, Mississippi John Hurt was pretty he was awesome. A, he was a genuinely sweet guy. I'd say, I'd say we could count on two hands, which is good. Like, that's not terrible. That's not terrible, but uh, good luck naming the other one. <laughs> oh God, yeah, they're all terrible. <laughs> I mean, Frank Zappa wasn't that bad. He was a genuinely nice guy, but it was a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> I don't know. We shouldn't spend this time judging it right now. No, we definitely should wait for like some sort of award show or something, right? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> some Decots award show that may be happening on some monumentous a date. Uh, comparative to our release schedule. They would have two children, Phoebe Allen Lewis and their son, Steve Allen Lewis, who was named after Steve Allen, the television host and comedian. The reason why he was named after him is because Steve Allen was basically the only person who would play Jerry Lee Lewis on TV for a whole lot of shaking going on because at the time he was banned for vulgarity. Oh, yeah? Well, you know, this is also the time where Elvis shaking his hips was vulgarity. Yeah, no, exactly. So he probably stood up from his piano chair and they were like, No! <laughs> sin! No, devil! He Did you see that? He just stood up. He moved his, ta- his chair while he was playing. He looks like he's having a good time. No! <laughs> the band is having fun, guys. Run! <laughs> For the love of us, can't we save ourselves? <laughs> Could you imagine a guy like in a, like a sweater and like khakis falling? to his knees like the band they're smiling soon, no. No. soon they're gonna be bopping about <laughs> the bass player just slightly swung to the left <laughs> oh his hair is disheveled from enjoyment no god <laughs> demands a tight neat hair yes. the palmade cannot handle this evil <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're sweating. Obviously, they've got Satan's devilish, hot, evil power behind him. They're worked up into a demonic fever, says Rolling Stone. <laughs> uh, yep, the devil works in mysterious ways. Meanwhile, we have Robert Johnson straight up like, no, I didn't learn it from the devil. And they're like, he learned it from the devil. And this other guy over Nah, kid, you learned way too fast. <laughs> the other kids, I think that, like, I learned from the devil. No, you didn't. This guy did. No, I legitimately did. <laughs> no, no, no. The the devil are in my hands. No, 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 no. It's okay. We get it. You're white. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. You just you just keep preaching, young man. Well, and so, of course, him marrying a 13-year-old was apparently taboo in everywhere but Louisiana. <laughs> I'm glad that we were like, you know, bashing all the religious aspects. And we just we just got to swing back and remind ourselves it's also Louisiana. Cousin so. <laughs> thirteen year old cousin Marion, fuck it, why not? Well, he was planning on doing a tour through the UK, you know, and some of the guys at Sun Records thought it would be a bad idea for him to take his wife along. <laughs> why is that? Because she was thirteen. Oh, right, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like yeah. I said. 
not cool and everywhere but Louisiana. Oh, <laughs> yes. Hmm, surprised I am. <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis said, fuck that, and brought her anyway. Oh, my God, of course he did. Yeah, this is my wife. She's my cousin, and she's 13. Remember, he had also released a song called High School Confidential. <laughs> Neato burrito, this guy. So when they stepped off the plane on May 22nd, 1958. Somebody just beat him up? <laughs> no, there was questions. He would claim that she was 15 years old, and they asked her about it, and she would say that 15 wasn't too young to get married back home. You can, and I quote, marry at 10 if you can find a husband. Oh, wholesome Louisiana fact. <laughs> and we wonder why they're the boot of America. <sighs> America's been trying to kick them in the ass this whole time. Uh, I prefer Italy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff that happened in that country, too. No, I know. I'm sure they married some cousins there. I mean, we go back far enough. I know for sure they did, but let's, uh, let's let's not talk about that yet. Dun, dun, dun. Well... You know, of course they would find out her real age. Yeah, because she's <laughs> clearly 13. There's a big difference between 13 and 15, bro. The British press would call him things like cradle robber and baby snatcher. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They'd criticize his performances. And, you know, after a while, his tour dates were canceled. Oh, man, of course they are. Yeah, bro, don't bring your weird cousin bride on the, the fucking tour, you fucking weirdo. Don't have one of those. Just don't don't be you. Don't exist. I don't know. I don't, don't have good advice for you. And so when he went back to America, he was even more surprised when the American press was just as harsh. <laughs> <laughs> His personal appearance fee soon dropped from $10,000 a night to 250 Oh, shit. I mean, even my band has made 250 bucks in a <laughs> night. Uh, yeah. You are kind of the Jerry Lee Lewis, your band, though. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. My girlfriend's actually older than me. <laughs> She's awesome. And not, and not related, probably. <laughs> definitely not related to me. <laughs> Well, Jerry Lee Lewis would try and apologize for this. Also thought it was a great idea to remarry her because I guess he thought it was because he married her before his divorce from his second wife was final. So he thought like, no, see guys, it's cool. We're actually truly married now. Nobody? What? Like, isn't this good? Crickets. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like he even once said to a reporter, I plum married the girl, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) And so Elvis, who would soon fall in love with a 14-year-old girl named Priscilla, would would tell reporters if they were in love with each other, it was all right with him. Oh, man. Fuck both of you. God. In 1962, his son Stephen Allen, who was just three years old, would die drowning in their in the family swimming pool. Oh my god, these fucking these child tragedies in the family though. Is no one paying attention? Apparently when you've got enough money you can afford to not pay attention. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's it's very weird like multi-generational. I'm not trying to imply any fake blame or anything like that, but that's just that's suspicious. And you know around this time he would still actively tour, you know, off the strength of his old songs, but you know, it wouldn't make as much money. 
he'd record sporadically, like, you know, right, like people just didn't want to touch him because, you know, 13 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. The, the whole weird cyst. But he would have a minor success with a cover version of Ray Charles' What I Say. In 1970, Myra would actually file for divorce on the grounds of adultery and abuse, charging that she had been subject to every type of physical and mental abuse imaginable. Yeah, because she was 13. She was a child. So in October 1971, he gets married to Jaron Elizabeth Gunn Pate. Uh, I can't even count. What's four now? Four. We're on number four. Oh, my God, dude. In 1972, his 19-year-old son, Jerry Lee Jr., he would die when he flipped his Jeep when it went into a ditch. Um, what the fuck is going on, Rio? This would also happen around the same time his mother passed away from cancer. Oh, yeah, great, cool. I don't really wish ill on anybody, even no matter how terrible they are. This this ex- entire string of events is extremely terrible. And to quote him about this time, he'd say, The loss of my mother and two sons got to me. I was drinking heavy. I needed a fifth of tequila just to sober up. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's what he did, is he just started drinking. Just drinking heavily, man. And, you know, like, there a lot of crazy stories came out of this, but... I don't want a longer than Bob Dylan episode about <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis. So let, let's hit, hit me with the cream of the crop here. <laughs> so I guess one time he decided it would be a good idea to see how long he could go without sleeping. He made it 12 days. Oh. While partying the entire time. Oh, wow. I'm sure there was cocaine involved. I mean, that's this like was... hallucination levels, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, a... <laughs> that's not good, bro. He would tell GQ magazine, I overshot my runway. It's not a good thing to do. I never did that again. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. But he would start recording, like, country music around this time, too. You know, by by the late 60s to mid-70s, you know, time for a switch, I guess. In 1968, he'd record the album Another Place, Another Time. And actually, the self-titled song off that album, pretty fucking awesome. As far as, like, that style of country goes, he did it quite well. He'd also record albums like old-time country music, Boogie Woogie Country Man. Should have just called it Devil's Country Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Boogie Woogie is now. Yeah, seriously. And country wasn't unusual for him. He did a Hank Williams cover when he was still with Sun Records called You Win Again. Yeah. But he would actually, like, have a few, you know, hits with this. Like, what's made Milwaukee famous had made me a loser. She even woke me up to say goodbye, which is the greatest country (laughs) title in the world. (laughs) Probably not the best country song ever, but definitely the most country title ever. Yeah, that one's nailing a 10 out of 10, if you ask me. (laughs) There must be more to love than this. But he would also, like, do a bunch of covers. Like, he did a cover of Me and Bobby McGee, which I guess he even punched Janis Joplin backstage once. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, Janis Joplin's, like, awesome. No, I guess, like, she was backstage with her sister, and her sister started getting into it with Jerry Lee Lewis, and then she punched Jerry Lee Lewis, and he said something like, if you're going to act like a man, I'm going to treat you one, and then knocks her out. (laughs) <laughs> what the 
Fuck, yeah. dude. Of course he punches women. He <laughs> would. He's not a small guy either. He's not. He's a pretty large fella. Well, he is from Louisiana. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to make that joke. <laughs> That's like my excuse for this entire episode. Yeah, we're like we're like we we really have to skate the the jokes that we really want to make on this. We don't have we don't have long enough to make all the jokes. He'd also do a cover of Chantilly Lays and a cover by an artist named Sticks McGee, which I've never heard of. It's <laughs> a funny name. It's a pretty awesome name, Sticks McGee. Apparently, it was an R and B song, but the song was called "Drinking Wine Spodiote." <laughs> This jam's actually uh, pretty good. I don't know. It was fun to listen to. Well, and it was around this time when he did that that he would, you know, revisit his rock and roll roots, right? Yeah. And so we got our next dude check out this song. Oh, yeah. You win again. Another place, another time. What makes Milwaukee famous? (laughs) 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 The, The... the uh, the words of that song are so fantastic. <laughs> if you guys don't know, what makes Milwaukee famous is beer. And it made a fool out of him, okay? There's the joke. Yeah, the the, the entire course is <laughs> what made Milwaukee famous made a fool out of me. And so it's a, it's a it's a pretty good, like... It's an honest representation of who he is. Cause yeah. he, he was a total drunk when he wrote this song. <laughs> It's also just a really good turn of phrase. I don't know. It's it's pretty creative. I, I don't have much really good to say for the man, but he's uh, he's got some good wordplay every once in a while. And then we got There Must Be More to Love Than This, Me and Bobby McGee, which I thought he did a pretty fun, neat version of this song, honestly. The live version we watched, I wanted to punch myself in the neck. So. <laughs> yeah, but that's just because they kept speeding up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did watch like a, a professional band lose their momentum mo- mo- or multiple times in one song. It was pretty fucking, it was pretty sad. Well, maybe the band was professional, but he was probably hammered. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good point. They're probably just trying to keep up with him. Yeah, why does it keep speeding up? I don't know. Just go with it. We're making money. And then we got Drinking Wine, Spodiote. In 1956... On his 41st birthday, he had a really good time. <laughs> he decided it would be great to play with his loaded 357 Magnum in his bedroom. And while trying to shoot and hit a Coke bottle, the bullet ricocheted and hit his bassist, Butch Owens, in the chest. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, I'm not going to laugh yet. Tell me the rest of the story. Well, he was really badly injured, but he did survive. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, why are you guys so fucking stupid? He is from Louisiana. I know, you keep bringing that up, but I, I haven't forgotten. I've not I've not forgotten that fact. I know. It's just, still... it's just a good reminder <laughs> that people from Louisiana do things that normal people don't. <laughs> uh, please, let us know what the Louisianas for your relative area are. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Yeah, just tell us what their Louisiana activity is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> On the morning of November 23rd, 1976, the cops were called to Elvis Presley's Graceland home in Memphis to deal with a drunk man carrying a gun. And oh yes, that drunk man was Jerry Lee Lewis. At Elvis Presley's house? At Elvis Presley's house. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, this is his second attempt to get into Elvis Presley's house that week. 
Well, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> the first time he rolled up in his Rolls Royce, only to be told by the gate guard, Harold Lloyd, that Presley was asleep. Lewis offered a polite thanks and drove off, but apparently later crashed his car and was cited for driving under the influence and without a license. <laughs> Just rolled around in Rolls Royce, drunk with no license. Mm, well, we know who you are. We'll just get you home then. Here's here's your thirty dollar <laughs> ticket. Yep, exactly. But on this second night, he would arrive in a brand new Lincoln Continental, displaying his brand new pistol on the dashboard. <laughs> He'd go up to the gate, and Lloyd would say. He was out of his mind, man. He was screaming and hollering and cussing. Get on the goddamn phone. I know you got an intercom system. Call up there and tell Elvis I want to visit with him. Who the hell does he think he is? Tell him the killer is here to see him. Oh, that's a that's a good thing <laughs> to say when you're wielding a firearm. And, uh, I just imagine him like waving it around the like killer blam, is here. blam, blam. <laughs> Oh, that's a, that's an unfortunate nickname to have at that moment, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. It gets more unfortunate, I think. And so, in 1981, with all this drinking and partying and trying to kill Elvis that he's been doing. <laughs> yeah, anyways. It, it catches up to him. He ends up with a ruptured stomach. Oh, poor feller. Aw, oh, darn. Aw, oh, oh, shucks. <laughs> if only you got into Graceland, we might forgive you. <laughs> whoa, 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 Ian. Whoa. He, Elvis took care of that himself. <laughs> I wish I had a womp womp sound effect for that. Oh, come on now. That was good. And so, among all this awesome craziness, in 1979... You know, his wife would file for divorce. <laughs> of course. For cruel and inhuman treatment, adultery, habitual drunkenness, habitual use of drugs. Nice. Is he f- number, or is she number five? Uh, four. Four. Well, and it was one of those divorces that would drag on and drag on. Yeah, because you wanted that money. Well, that's actually a good point. Because he would tell her that money shouldn't matter much because she wasn't not going to be around very long anyway. Uh, oh, oh, he said that, did he? On June 8th, 1982, paramedics were called to his house because his wife was found drowned in the pool of their backyard. Oh, really? And apparently he didn't want to like come out of his room or something. Yeah? Yeah, and, you know, this was several weeks before the, fi- uh, the finalized proceedings of their divorce. Oh. Whoa, wow, uh, I, I didn't know about this portion. And so, of course, no charges filed. And on June 1983, he'd get married to his fifth wife, Sean Stevens. Oh, my God, really? And this marriage would last for a grand total of 77 days. Yeah, because he was like, oh, you, I'm your fifth wife. What happened to your last wife? Oh, we were about to get divorced, and then she drowned in the pool when nobody was home except for me. She was also a 26-year-old cocktail wait- waitress. You know, I mean, really, how much can you uh, have in common with her? Yeah, right. On August 24th, 1983, Sean Stevens wouldn't manage to wake up. She was covered in bruises, and her room was cover- coated in blood. On top of that, there was dried blood underneath her nails. 
And as noticed by a paramedic, there were claw marks on the back of Lewis's hand. The autopsy, however, blamed Stevenson's death on a methadone overdose. What the fuck? The night she died, Jerry Lee Lewis would talk to her sister on the phone, and he would tell her, your sister's dead, and she was a bad girl. What the fuck? (laughs) Again, no charges were filed. Are you fucking serious? They're going to let him get away with two murders? I mean... It's not obvious that he's innocent. <laughs> I'm kidding. Is I'm this, kidding. Pat was, Pat's still, brain was about to explode is this still there. Louisiana? <laughs> this, is, this must still be Louisiana. This right? is Louisiana behavior. Oh my God. This is a fucking insane. Are you fucking really letting me get away with murder twice in six months? In April 1984, he get married to Carrie McCarver, his uh, sixth wife. How are you going to marry him after he. Does he not. Uh, he okay. probably just, just said, "Now nah, there was nothing to that. People were just blaming me because they're jealous. Because he was never charged with anything. Oh so, you know. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. All right. Anyways, so. They would have one child, Jerry Lee Lewis III, a very original name. Is he a junior? No, he had a son, Junior, who died in, that a- in the car That's accident. That's not the way that works. The Junior's firstborn is named Third. Okay, anyways. No, Jerry Lee Lewis had another kid. I get that. I'm just saying that's not the way you do that. Jerry Lee Lewis's first son was Junior, and he died in that flip over accident. I, I, I know that. I'm just saying the third goes on Junior's son, not his own son. Oh. Yeah, the, the Junior is supposed to name his son the same name and then make it the third, not Jerry Lee Lewis naming his next son Jerry Lee Lewis Jr. the third. That's not how that works. Well, tell that to George Foreman, because he literally named every one of his kids George Foreman, even his daughters. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I guess maybe maybe in modern times you can just name them whatever you fucking whatever want. Whatever you want. Yeah, I'm going to name my kid Pat the 18th Esquire. <laughs> I'm not even going to name my kid after me. He's just going to be the fifth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Daddy, why am I named Louis the Sixteenth? <laughs> no reason. I'm sure so. there were other ones out there. <laughs> he would be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1986. I'm not cheering for that. Yay! Yeah, you can do the fake cheer this time. <laughs> in 1988, he filed for bankruptcy because he owed two million dollars in overdue tax money. And apparently, this wasn't the beginning of his relationship with the IRS. The IRS had previously come to his house in 1979 and 1985 and seized a bunch of property from him because, you know, the guy just loved to spend his money. <laughs> the, uh, the IRS had shown up. All right, Jerry, let's see what we can take. All right, we're taking this, this piano, this painting. All your jewelry. Yep. That's my wife's. Why does it say the killer on it? <laughs> no, this can't be your wife's jewelry. There's no Hello Kitty markers on it. <laughs> he almost killed me, Pat. I was drinking beer there. <laughs> My dream is to make Ian spit uh, beer all over his laptop. In 1993, he'd end up moving to Ireland and... 
you know, he said he just wanted to live there, but most people think it's to avoid the IRS. It is 100% to <laughs> avoid the IRS. <laughs> he lived in a rented house in Westminster Road in Fox Rock, Dublin. And during his time there, he was sued by the German company New Constantin Film Production for a failure to appear at a concert in Munich in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're in EU now? Now we can sue you. And so in 1997, he returns back to the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This guy is the best and worst thing that I've ever we've ever covered. Like, this is this is too much. He, they let him get away with murder multiple times and just run away from the IRS. In June 2005, him and Carrie would end up getting a divorce. Yeah, okay, obviously. And in 2012, he's having, like, severe health issues. His daughter would hire, like, I guess, like, a nurse to help take care of him. And so, of course, him and that nurse named Judith would get married on March 9th, 2012. <laughs> Oh my god, please. <laughs> Holy shit. His seventh wife, if you're keeping track. Oh, I, I thought I was. I'm not. I, I'm not even. <laughs> I'm barely even here anymore. <laughs> and they're still together to this day. Oh, he didn't murder her, huh? No, and he's not dead. <laughs> uh. <laughs> not even coronavirus can take care of Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> wow, Ian, that is that's brutal even for Jerry Lee Lewis, but uh, <laughs> Oh my god. What the fuck? Are you fucking serious? Dude, that's not, not even like all the stories about him either. Like they're in like partying above this recording studio and he's pissed off that everybody's crashing out, you know, you know, that time of the night. So he walks out with a machine gun and goes, we're not done yet. And just unloads the clip into the ceiling and ruins the fucking studio. <laughs> <laughs> Who gives Jerry Lee Lewis machine gun guys? Louisiana does that. Too. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Louisiana gives anybody a gun and a cousin. Sorry for anybody who listens in Louisiana. I don't know. I I I watch the algorithm a lot, and I don't think we get a lot of views from Louisiana. But I think we may <laughs> have one or two. I mean, there's got to be something wrong if they're gonna fucking have a the head of the KKK running for Congress for them. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. There's got to be something wrong if they're not listening to Decots. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, so I'm supposed to forge some sort of last thoughts on Jerry Lee Lewis, huh? Yep. Um, do not murder people. Don't fuck your 13-year-old cousin. Move out of Louisiana. Don't, as soon as you can. As soon as you as can. As soon as you can. Don't be a racist. I don't know. Like, there's just, there's so many things I could possibly cover. Don't for. marry your cousin. Yeah, well, yeah, just don't marry your cousin. That's like, that's not cool. Especially when she's 13. Don't marry anyone who's 13, man. That's not cool either. I don't know. I got like a... I got like a headache now after this episode. <laughs> I'm like in a fog. I don't even. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, you suck. <laughs> You're still alive today. So if there is some chance that you end up listening to this episode, you actually made it through me laughing at how terrible of a person you are for the last hour. Um, fuck you. And if you don't want to be terrible like Jerry Lee Lewis, please give us five stars <laughs> on whatever app you're listening to this from. 
<laughs> and just to prove to all of your friends and family that you don't marry your cousin who's 13 years old, make sure that you tell them you listen to Dude Check Out This Song. We love you. Good night.